Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Gilded Lily. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down here at our desks, pick up a quill, and pretend to be someone we're not, using these uh, funny-shaped rocks with numbers on them. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. This one here is about a few college roommates who abandon higher education and accidentally become pirates. Well, hopefully the good kind. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories independent of the lore and problematic content that often comes with these Dungeons & Dragons as you pull them out of the box. In short, it just means that we use dice to decide what happens next to our funny little characters. What adventures will our rascals get into this week? I bet we're going to meet a new friend. Well, let's roll some dice and find out together. Day 2, written by Joanna Vilheli, new member of Gilded Lily security team. Um, Mr. Neil said I should explain what happened after the fight at Mr. Gillian's shop. Uh, we talked to Mr. Gillian and one thief. We learned that uh, almost everything was stolen, including an arcane cannon. This is very bad. Um, the ship is called the Shattered Herald and their captain Galahad is uh, looking for some artifact up the Bismuth Channel. Uh, they also visit Flailer's Cove often. Uh, we let the thieves go, and Mr. Neil said that we passed the test. Um, Zero and Riley were hurt, and Mr. Gillian gave them a healing potion. Uh, this time Riley didn't try to freeze his own leg. Um, I think maybe that School of Restorative Arts wasn't very good. Uh, we learned that the cannons are very heavy, and we took last barrel of gunpowder to the Lily. Uh, the ship has magic wards, and Riley is very excited. Uh, we officially joined the crew and there was a party on deck. Uh, they all seemed much nicer than I thought pirates would be. Mr. Neil said I should write goodbye book now, so um, goodbye book. Hey folks, this is your DM, GM, slash storyteller, whatever you want to call it. Mike, I just wanted to apologize for the audio quality of this last episode and the first half of this one. Apparently, while we were recording, a neighbor was doing something in their apartment upstairs, which we didn't really notice until the audio was totally recorded. And it kind of compromised the quality of my audio specifically. So you might notice it's a little bit crunchier than usual. I'd like to thank you for your patience with this. And it's fixed in the second half of the episode though. So enjoy. So the four of you are now, or the three of you are kind of now together in the deck of the ship. Um, you're looking for Kothak. If you remember, um, the quartermaster told you that he's usually in his office at this time, in the, or in his quarters at this time, right? Um, right now it's probably about nine o'clock-ish, right? If you remember, Kothak said they were leaving at midnight, which gave, would have given you a few hours to get the ship out. I spoke to the quartermaster, her name is Freya, and she said we should go talk to Kothak, so... And I'm kind of raising my hand to knock on the door to Kothak's office. I was just about to say that. Last time you didn't knock, and that was bad. Yeah, I... I... that was wrong. I will knock next time. Um, so you give it a hard knock, and after a couple seconds, you hear the knob turn and the door pulls open, and on the other side you can see Kothak. Um, behind him is a very neat and well-kept office space. 
Um, there is a very fine wood desk off to the right with its back to a large window that kind of looks out onto the, the ocean. Um, you can see that on the other side, it kind of paints this really beautiful scene of kind of the, the dark shimmering water of the ocean with the rings of the sky behind it. And he says, oh, you're back. That was quick. Were you able to get the shipment? Ah, uh, not all of it. There was some complications. What kind? Uh, the kind that uh, took the blacksmith hostage and stole uh, his supply. And uh, we got into a bit of an altercation. That is unfortunate. Gillian is a friend. Did you happen to apprehend or catch the people involved? Uh, maybe we can have this conversation inside. The music is quite loud. Yeah, yeah, of course. Come in, come in. Um, and he steps aside of Rajin. Inside, um, around his desk, you see him. He walks up and pulls up one or two chairs off to the side. Because I, I don't have many seats. Usually, I don't bring a lot of people in here. But that's only two. Um, here, you can take one of mine. And he takes his chair and puts it up if you'd like to seat. I prefer to stand. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we, uh, the 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 blacksmith was attacked by um, some pirates. Uh, who sail on the Shattered Herald. Um, their leader was um, a woman called Aurora uh, Bolea, I believe. Um, Bolea, yes, that's it, that's it. Are you familiar with her? No, it doesn't sound familiar. I'm going to be honest. I just misheard what you said. Yeah. Oh. That's her actual name. That's a nice coincidence. Uh, well, um, they kept uh, Gillian prisoner for most of the day and carried his supplies out towards uh, their ship. Uh, we kind of reached the place at the end of their operation. Uh, not much was left. Uh, we, we got the one barrel of gunpowder back, um, but uh, the rest of, of uh, Gillian's supplies were taken away. Uh, we have some information about uh, where they might go, and um, they they are leaving for um, Flailer's Cove, I believe. Okay. We did not we did not pursue them because, uh, well, uh, frankly, if they stole cannons, just the three of us would have and Neil would have no way of taking those cannons back. No, that, uh, that is a wise decision. Um, we wouldn't want to lose our new security crew on day one. It was smart of you. How many of them were there? I look at the guy. I, I look at, at, at Riley and uh, Zira. Uh, so there, there was uh, more people, not including. Five? Yeah, Aurora and four, four goons. Yeah, yeah, five. They shot me in my leg. What did they look like? Do you have any likenesses, variances, any kind of description? Ooh. Oh, I, that's wearing. my turn, uh, and I will cast Minor Illusion. Okay, so you're Just, recreating her face? Yeah, I take out the fleece, burn it, and do it again. She looks like that. Okay, that's valuable. Do you just make her face, or do you have her whole get up? No, it's just like a bust, kind of, because it's a Minor Illusion. Yeah, it's small. Yeah. Oh, so you, oh, I thought you made your face look like her face. I guess you could do that too, but... It's almost like the little Star Wars like holocron things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want I don't want to cover my face yet. Um Kothak is kind of looking it over. Okay. Um the others, did they you said there were four of them plus her, did they escape? What happened? Yeah, so we knocked them out, most of them, but during the struggle they escaped. And I kind of look at them and I say, Well, to be perfectly honest, we released two of them they surrendered they were no longer a threat and what you said during our conversation i didn't think you would appreciate us actually harming them after they were no longer a threat um neil was here during this yes Yes. yes, and he said he actually liked what we did, so I assume that was not a problem. And, okay. and to no, be fair, he knocked out most of them himself. 
Yes, yeah. Neil is amazing. I like Neil. Uh, Neil is is a great fighter. Excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. Are you well, Mr. Kovac? Oh, I'm fine. Just a little bit of sniffles. But anyway, um, you release them. That's understandable. Um, I wasn't there to see the circumstances, but I can trust that your judgment was sound, especially if Neil was okay with it. Do we know who they work for? Captain Galahad. Um, you see his eyes narrow for a brief moment. Do you know him? Uh, Her? The name rings a bell. In a good way or in a bad way? Well, I mean, Galahad is a known pirate. He used to be, I wouldn't quite say an ally, but uh, a friendly acquaintance of our faction. To hear that he's robbing people like Gillian, that's concerning. His codes were normally better than that. So maybe he's not on our side anymore? He might not be. But as it stands, we can't let him get away with it. Especially if they're stealing weaponry, that they're arming up for something. Yeah, magic cannon, apparently. Well, yeah, something. apparently they have some kind of arcane weapon. Magic arcane cannon. Uh, yes, yeah. this is something that Gillian was uh, yeah. assembling oh. for them. For them? Uh, not for them, that was meant yeah. for the... The Emporo? Emporo, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they stole it. You see, like, there's a moment where he kind of pauses. He leans back and puts his hand up on his chin. And is kind of, like, stroking the fur. Um, a weapon for the Emporo. Mm-hmm. Magic. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to deal with it. And we- the... Uh, Captain, I'm sorry. Uh, the um, captured thugs, they also mentioned that um, there was a discussion about uh, heading to the coast and stopping uh, to salvage something. There was a mention of some kind of artifact. Uh, This is something that Gillian overheard uh, while they were removing his supplies. Any idea what or where? Uh, well, there was a discussion of Bismuth Channel, and uh, another location mentioned was uh, Flavor's Cove. Okay, hold on. Um, and you see him walk behind his desk and starts rifling through, and he pulls out a stone. Um, and you hear him go, um, can you come to my chambers for a moment? Thank you. Puts it down. And after a few minutes pass, you hear a knock at the door. Um, and he walks over and opens it, and you see a woman step in. Um, she's fair-skinned, her hair is kind of long and black and set in these kind of big kind of voluminous curls. Um, she's wearing like a very, very loose, like, uh, loose and comfortable white cotton blouse. Um, a pair of plain tan pants with these very, like, knee-high leather boots. Um, no heel, they're just flat-footed. Beneath, right beneath her eyes, you can see immediately, one, they're like an azure blue, like almost like the sea. And two, her face is spotted with freckles um, right beneath her eyes. And she steps in and says, Kozak, you, you wanted to see me? And he goes, yes, um, I think we need to do some scrying. Uh, we have a pirate ship who is stolen from a friend of ours, and we need to figure out where they're going. We know what one of them looked like, if that's helpful. And you see her kind of turn her head and go, that, that would be helpful, yes. Let let me try and scry and see where they may be going. Do you know if they're still here in the city? Um, and Kothak looks at all of you. Well, Neil said that by the time we got back, uh, most likely, no. They'll probably be on their way now. And the woman kind of nods. We probably also know uh, this person's name, like true name and i kind of look at zira i don't know if this is something that would help in scrying her eyebrow raises a little bit what do you mean basically we know her name does that help you in finding them no she said true name that's different uh well assuming that is just you know not an alias or something it's her actual name interesting that this may help come um and she kind of walks over to the window of Kothak's office and sits down on the floor. Um, She reaches into, like, a satchel at her side and pulls out a hood with, like, a a little stand beneath it and places it on the floor. I can can do some scrying to see scrying on the wall. 
these people to see where they may be going, assuming they have authority. What information can you give me about what they look like, location, etc.? Hello? Is, is he talking to me? Oh, just in general, to the group. Uh, well, this is what she looks like. I point to the little... Uh, minor illusion? Yeah, the minor illusion of her face. And her name is Aurora Bolea. Hmm. I have an idea. Um, Kotak has told me about your talents. Are you... You are practitioners of the arcane in some respect, yes? Very much yeah. so. Yes. Come, you can help. You have a familiarity with this person that I do not. Who help focus the spray. Um, and she motions to you to come sit down. Hello, all of us? Mm-hmm. I kind of, when we sit down and she mentions familiarity, I take out the dagger and I say, oh, I have something that belongs to her. That, that, that will help a lot. I will want this back, though. It's, um, she stabbed me with it. I kind of took it personally, but okay. And I kind of give her, give her the knife. Okay, that I can, that may help. Um, so all of us around this circle, hold hands for me, if you will. And she puts out both of her hands. It's like a seance. This is a little more out of the bounds of what a normal scrying spell does, but it's more interesting for the narrative if we stray from the rules a little bit. We'll break, we'll break the rules. We'll break the rules. So what do you all do? <laughs> uh, we uh, hold hands. We hold hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I, I reach out. I, I kind of dry off my hands. A little clammy. I need all of you to imagine this person, this woman you encountered. Focus on her in your mind. Focus. And can all of you roll me a d20? Which one should I roll? I, I'm not good at this today. 18. 12. Nice, nice. 11. Okay, so that was a group check. Um, the 11, not going to cut it. Dang it. Um, everyone else did okay enough. So this woman sits in front of all of you. You watch the azure light in her eyes kind of glow. And from her, you see these very, very faint white threads of light pull off of her and connect with you. And then as you're kind of all holding hands in a circle, the light weaves between you. And Zira, you're sitting directly across from her. And the light goes to contact with your arms and just kind of doesn't. Um, but it crosses away and mingles over the orb and still stitches together a semicircle. Um, now, while this is happening, first thing that catches your eye is you notice looking at this woman. Her black hair begins to lift in the air and kind of curl and change. And you hear the sounds of water dripping as it lands on the floor of the ship. Her hair is now dripping a little bit, as if she had just climbed out of and you can smell fresh sea salt on the air. And in that moment, she goes, I believe I have found some sort of connection. I guess we will see how the goes. Ooh, okay. As she says this, Zira, you said you know the woman's true name is? Yes. Good. Speak it. Aurora Balea. Um, as you say it, you watch the word, like you watch this kind of air of mist leave your mouth and you kind of hover over the orb. And that white light that you saw pass you that didn't connect with you reaches up and grasps onto the, the light, that, the mist that just came out of your mouth. And in a moment, that white light that connects all of you is pulled into the orb. Can I get a perception check from everyone? 11. Perception. Natural one. Oof. Um, for perception, that would make two. Guys, I just have to say, it's so perfect that basically each of us brought something for this ritual. Like, Zira has the true name, and Riley has the minor illusion of the face, and I have an object that belongs to her, and it's like we all have something to make this crying work, and it's perfect. Mm-hmm. I love it. So the only person to see this, oh, this is so funny, is Yolanda. In this moment, your eyes, what you see is pulled towards the orb, almost like someone is dragging you across the floor. And in that, in that instant, your what you see, your consciousness is kind of pulled into it. But Ioana, in that brief moment, you see something happen to this woman that you didn't quite expect. As your consciousness is pulled in, you see that white light that's, that was connecting all of you grow very bright. And you watch this woman's pale skin slowly shift to uh, a vibrant blue. 
and her hair, which is this kind of these floating black curls, which have been kind of infused with magic, immediately turn to this liquid water as it kind of lifts up around her. And unlike everyone else here, we see her for who she truly is, a water genasi, her form channeled and her spirit fully embracing her. And her hair is kind of transformed into this watery shape and the, the vibrant freckles on her cheeks have kind of changed color and started to glitter with the splendor of something you've only ever seen looking at a wreath, a coral wreath. And then your consciousness is pulled into this world. And it immediately you see the New Bismuth docks where you just work from above all the ships. And then your vision blurs very quickly as it pulls across the Bismuth channel. You're not sure exactly how far away, um, but you're suddenly thrust down onto the surface of a very, very small ship, a sail ship, making its way down the channel, away from the city. And on board, you see a makeshift skeleton crew of people. And before you can get a look and identify everyone, your vision is pulled in further, and you see you're inside the captain's chamber of this ship, and you can see this woman is sitting down, seated, a little battered and beat up from your encounter. Um, some of her clothes are charred and singed. And across from her, you can see an individual, which you presume is the captain of the ship. And you see standing over um, this woman who's seated in the chair, a man. His face is kind of pulled taut, almost like he looks like a person that's been kind of almost dehydrated for a little too long. His eyes are fully black orbs. Racially, it's hard to tell anything about him because he just looks alien when you're looking at him. You can hear his voice faintly talking, but it sounds muffled, like it's almost underwater. Were you able to acquire all of the goods? And the woman responds, Yes, yes. all but a few, sir. We encountered some resistance, which is strange, but we managed to get away unscathed. We lost one or two crew members, but they were sail hands, nothing of important. Who dares resist our efforts? We did not know. Um, they were from formidable. Um, they were there to purchase cannons. Gillian seemed to have known them. Was the weapon accounted for? Um, yes, it was the first item I think. Um, it is below the deck section. And there's a, a brief pause in this conversation as you see this man thinking for a moment. Ready the crew. We sail for Strider's Landing, so we can find the artifact two teeth left behind. And your vision starts to pull away um, as you're suddenly thrust back onto the, the captain's quarterfeet of the ship. Each of you tumbles backwards, and then in this moment you can all see that this woman has changed. Her skin is blue, her cheeks are freckled with these colorful bright hints of coral, and her hair is literally water. It looks like big, big curls and tendrils of water that are just kind of draped across her shoulders and down her back. And she says, well, that was revealing. And she looks to Kothak. Um, in this moment, do any of you do anything? How do you respond? Uh, I kind of blink and want to ask 17 different questions at the same time. Uh, but I wait to see what she says. Okay. Riley is dumbfounded by that experience. Uh, no, I was going to say that I'm not faithful. Riley, this woman looks at you and goes, Was that your first experience scrying? Yes, yes, it was. Um, that was interesting, exciting. Uh, Try not to walk around too fast, you may get sick. Especially if you've been drinking. Oh, I don't drink. But thank you. Uh, is, that a, is there a possibility I could learn that? With time, probably, yes. My teacher, my teacher did things like that. Uh, she called us formidable. I look at Zira and, and Riley. <laughs> you see a smile crawl across this woman's face. And she goes, I'm so sorry. I did not properly introduce myself, did I? Uh, it, my name, this is Mike talking, not her. My name is Vapa Mundur, the navigator of the ship. It is nice to meet you. And she looks to each and every one of you. Hi, I'm Joanna. It's really nice to meet you as well. Your hair is amazing. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. I'm I'm Riley with a W. 
Nice to meet you, Riley. And Yolanda? Uh, yeah, I'm Zira. You can call me Zira. It's fine. Nice to meet you as well. That name was especially helpful. We probably wouldn't have heard that conversation without it. Cool. There was something pushing back. I can feel on the scrying. I'm not entirely sure what, but it may have been warded. But the name helps. Oh, so the more information you know about your uh, target, the better the scry? Yes. The name, okay. the dagger, the face at all. Otherwise, we would have been grasping the scrolls. So to speak. And then Riley takes out his little notebook. He's writing that down. As you're writing this down, you see Vapa look towards Kothak, and her expression kind of changes. They mention two teeth, Dagox, and you see Kothak's expression kind of harden, and he says, Well, that changes things. These aren't just some run of the mill bandits. Um, bandit? Two teeth? What's that? Yeah, yeah, who is that? He used to be one of ours, and he vanished a couple months ago. I assume that's not a good thing in, in your line of work. circumstances? That's the worst part, we don't know. It seems someone may be poaching from our faction. Did they use any kind of mental manipulation, magic, coercion, anything? She did. She tried, uh, but it failed. Shit. We have a bit to talk about on our journey um, to prepare you for what we may be walking into, but I can, I can warn you this. It will not be good. Oh. Are you still willing to leave with us? Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, uh, um, yeah. We're here, right? Yeah. Sure. Did you hear the part where I said she failed? That's a, that's a good thing, right? She was not the captain. The captain is the one that might be a problem. Is that Galahad? Yep. Oh. Look, enjoy the night. Rest. We'll pick up on this in the morning. I know that was a lot to dump on you, um, especially because of how new you are, but... I want you all to be prepared for what we're about to walk into. Okay. Since you're all staying, we'll be setting sail at midnight as we planned. Rest up. We've got a traitor to catch. We will. Right. I, I have a question that might be a DM question, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, there was a faction mentioned a few times, and I'm not sure if this is something that only Riley heard, uh, Dragon's Wing. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, so so um, we don't know what the hell he's talking about when he says faction. Yeah, Riley's going to have to fill you all in. Unless you so, want to ask now. I would, yeah. Okay, okay. Because I don't know that this is something that Riley knows. I know that this is something that I don't know. So I say, um, you said faction. Who would that be? What faction? He looks to Riley and goes, well, it's good to know you can at least keep a secret. Oh, I, I thought that you told him already. <laughs> Job description and all. Our faction is called Drogmas Wing. We are a group of unconventional pirates. We don't steal or take or kill just anyone. We only target those who abuse their station and take from the people beneath them, regardless of who they serve. If someone betrays us, like Dagox may have, that means they could be taking and stealing from people who don't deserve it. And we're here to put a stop to it. All right. Uh, thank you. That sounds like a worthy goal that I can actually uh, share with you. Thank you. I, 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 I was just confused. You mentioned faction and I did not know what you were talking about. Apologies. I assumed your uh, compatriot would have filled you in. I couldn't tell you during our interview because, well, I can't quite tell every single person that I'm interviewing about that because... That makes, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. I just assumed that you told me that you would have told the other. I'm, I'm sorry. That is just fine. You don't have to apologize for keeping us protected. Noted. Enjoy your nights. Drink. Eat. We'll see if we can follow them and recover the goods in the morning. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you. And I uh, salute. And back away. Okay. Um, as you walk out, um, Yolanda, hmm? can you roll me? Actually, I don't even need you to roll. Um, you, as you're walking out, um, would you look back on the scene at all, or just continue? Yeah, I, I, I think I uh, would kind of be the last to leave, and uh, I, I, I just, I just learned right now that uh, there were some parts of this sort of hiring process that I was not aware of. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of not maybe linger, but at least try to see if. 
I can glean anything from how both of them look at us as we leave the room. Okay. Roll me an insight check. I suck at those. That's a 10. Okay. Looking over, Kothak stands confident. Um, his brows are furrowed. Very minuscule now, but you can't really tell why. Um, your best guess might be that the news they just heard might be a little more than he was expecting. Looking over Vapa, you can see that um, she's looking towards you all with kind of a friendly curiosity. And as you turn and look over your shoulder, shoulder at them as they leave, um, when you walk towards the door, you notice she kind of becomes silhouetted um, by the light pouring in from the sea. And something suddenly clicks in your brain. For the, in that brief moment, you're taken back to that divination that you did with your teacher and the woman that you saw on the deck of the ship, silhouetted by the lightning. Oh, no. They're the same. And that's where we're going to stop. Uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> the size. I don't want to go to the hentai land. <laughs> 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 I think it was try once we get there. Um, you'll never know if you like it. <laughs> and the division there. ended with the ship being crashed by giant tentacles. We will not like any part of it. There, there's a lot. There's a lot more sessions between here and there. Just Maybe. saying, you might have an affinity for. You Octopi. don't know. It can happen tomorrow. Still, that's a long time. You might like octopi in that in between <laughs> that amount of time. Yeah, grilled. I like them, but <sighs> some people yeah, like to like just some people like to just put soy sauce on it and eat it. You might be one of those people. Hey there, adventurers, and welcome to the midroll. I hope you're enjoying the fun so far. If you enjoy our show, please take the time to support us by following us on Twitter, reviewing us on Podchaser or iTunes, or, you know, just telling your friends about us. Storytelling is our passion, and I want to bring that passion to as many people as possible. If you'd like to learn more about the show, or name your very own NPC that's non-player character, check out our website at www.toapodcast.com. This week, we're going to give a shout-out to a really great and up-and-coming show called The First Watch. In the southern wilds of the kingdom of Alson, Two adventurers pick their way silently through the forest, eyes alert, hands ready on weapons, muscles tense. A sudden crashing of branches whips their heads around, where a charging troll bears down on them with a roar. With weapons at the ready, the hunters brace for the moment of impact. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew and I'm the Dungeon Master for The First Watch. The First Watch is a multi-camera, actual play D&D web series following a pair of monster hunters as they become embroiled in blood, mystery, and dark magics. The show features cinematic storytelling, original music and sound design, compelling characters, and more. Our first season is on YouTube in its entirety, ready for binging. For more information, you can find us on Twitter at First Watch Show and watch or listen on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. Let's roll initiative. All right, let's get back to the show. Okay, um, so for the audience's sake, um, we have a guest for this episode and potentially a couple future ones, depending on how our schedules look. They will be playing a character named Red. Um, we'll get to Red in a minute. You'll have an opportunity to describe what they look like, but I think we're just going to jump right in with um, Zira. To set the scene, Zira, you and your companions just finished speaking with Kothak and doing a little bit of a scrying session with Vapa on the ship that you will be pursuing. You've been informed by Kothak that you have a few hours um, until the ship sets sail. About two and a half, three hours um, as they're wrapping things up here. Um, there's still people getting supplies and things like that. Now, you've each been kind of given rooms on the ship as part of the security personnel um, to keep you away from the rest of the crew. Um, not necessarily for your safety, but it's more of like a positional, like hierarchy kind of thing. You are currently in your room. Um, above you, you can hear the rest of the crew um, drinking merrily and listening to that tiefling bard's music echo across the deck of the ship. You can hear them above the floor, floorboards above your head creak occasionally with their weight. 
in this small little room, maybe seven, eight feet long, four feet wide. It's basically a bunk with an end table um, and some little drawer space. What would you do with your things in this room? Uh, I probably still, I, I wouldn't scatter them around. I'd keep them like in a corner. Okay, like put them away, I guess, in the the um, the little tiny bit of storage you have here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're taking your books out one by one and kind of placing them in. These are the same books that we saw when you were packing up to leave um, right before your interview. You're placing these books kind of in the drawers and some a sudden realization hits your mind. Among all of your studies, you have kind of obtained or borrowed books from the school um, to, you know, further your teaching as a wizard, a mage. And the re- realization hits you that There's one important book that you would use fairly often. It's not with you right now. And you know that it, you know for a fact that it's in the library. What would you like to do? I would very much like to get that book before we set off. Okay. In leaving the ship, would you try and sneak out? Would you want anyone to notice you? Or would you let them know where you're going? Um, I'd probably, I'd probably just tell him I'm roaming around, you know, get, catching my bearings, you know, getting to know the area. But I wouldn't tell him I was actually where I was going, probably. Okay, so basically go, going for a walk. Um, who yeah, would you, exactly. who would you like to tell? You already have met two people of kind of power on the ship, Kothak and Mappa. And there are plenty of other crew on the ship that you could talk to, though your message might not get relayed because... You don't know them. They don't really know you either. Uh, I probably tell Kofak. Okay. Um, you know where his quarters is, so you make your way up and relatively easily slip through the crowd. You notice that Riley and Ioana are kind of mingling among the crew, not really engaging too much, but enjoying a little bit of time um, to relax and get to know the people here. You slip past them and find yourself standing at Kofak's door. Uh, I knock on it. Well, I'm assuming it's closed, but yeah, I, yeah, I knock. You give it a quick knock. The door quickly creaks open, and you see Kothak standing on the other side. Um, and his hand is a glass with some kind of dark liquid in it, um, with a couple ice cubes. And he looks at you. Uh, Semozira, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, what's wrong? Um, hey, I just wanted to let you know... You know, in my little bit of time that we have left, I'm gonna gonna go walk around a little bit, but I'll make sure I'll be back before we set out. If that's cool. Roll me a deception check, not because you're lying, but because you're omitting, kind of omitting the truth, a little. Does he need to know? I mean, he just hired you his as your security or his security, so probably. All right. Hold on. I got a seven. Nice. Okay. Um, Kothak, he looks, his brow furrows a little. Are you going to do anything that's going to get us in trouble? Uh, no, not at all. Um, okay, we're, uh, we're, we're leaving at midnight, so if you're not back by then, you are getting left behind. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, go. Shoo. Okay, bye. As you turn and walk away to make your way off the ship, um, it dawns on you that Kothak knows something's up. He may not know what, but he knows you're up to something that you kind of want to keep to yourself for now. He seems okay with it, though. Um, you make your way over to the edge of the ship, and just like you entered, you step through the magic veil that keeps the true nature of this the deck of the ship hidden from outside onlookers. You step through this veil of magic, and suddenly your face is met with um, kind of a cold sensation that washes over you, you as you step through it. And then suddenly, as if you've put earmuffs on, all the sound of celebration, the, the smell of liquor and ale that were kind of wafting from the ship is suddenly just ripped away from your senses by this veil. And you're standing at the very end of the northern section of the docks. It's quiet. You look behind you and you see that the deck of the lily is empty at the moment. All the, none of the torches are lit. It looks like there's no one on board. Where would you like to go? Um, back to the school, uh, to the library. Okay. Um, so to clarify for the listeners, 
Zira is going to be making her way to the Academy of the Mists, which across New Bismuth is known as the most prestigious school of the arcane. If you attend here, you can learn just about any school of magic, no matter how obscure. And you're even encouraged to pursue your own um, efforts in magic, maybe discover things that no one has even found yet. You make your way down the dock. Now, as you walk further and further down the dock, your footsteps echo um, around the silent dock and off onto the water. You can hear the ships kind of bobbing up and down in the water and you hear the water splashing against the side of the docks gently. Um, and you make your way down to the very end of the dock, though you see something a little odd. Right at the street corner um, where you first met Kothak at Sashi's, you see Red, would you like to describe what your character looks like? Uh, sure, sure. Um, what you see is... Wait, is my back to him? Mm-hmm. Okay, you see a seven-foot-tall, almost seven-foot-tall, just just body of a goddamn goddess right there. I mean, it's a huge, giant figure with a black cloak. And all you can see is just, just weight in all the right places. <laughs> all right so basically i'm liking what i'm seeing i mean if it floats your boat i just got yeah. off the boat but it's fine <laughs> <laughs> the cloak it does it cover his back um and his or, and his head it's a little tight but yeah yeah he couldn't find one that really fit him oh you see horns kind of you see two pointy uh i guess you see two points sticking out of the uh the hood two horns what is this cloaked horned figure doing outside of Sashi's sushi shop. Banging on the door. Um, or Zira, as you approach, you hear this rhythmic pounding, slamming of the door. Is Red saying anything? Guys, where are you at? You, okay, you guys said nine. You said nine and I'm here with, I tried the back, no one's, no one's back there. Is this part of the test? Do I have to like break in as part of the interview? Cause that's kind of fucked up. Guys. Zira. You hear Red's voice and immediately recognize um, the voice of your roommate, the one who got you all the job interview that you aced earlier today. Red, is that you? What are you? God. What are you doing? Oh, Sim, thank God. Wait, where's everyone else? Dude, what are you doing out here? It's it's late, bro. Yeah, this is the time of the interview. They said ten o'clock. Dude, four, four o'clock. Four. Oh, fucking hell. Four. You gave me the note. How did you mix that up? Oh, shit. My fours kind of look like tens if... No, don't worry about it. Okay. Okay, that, that would explain so much. So, so we got the job? Uh, we got the job. I... Cool. <laughs> nice. Uh, what's the pay? Um, that is... I, I don't really remember. 12 gold a, this, this is a dm mike question 12 gold per week uh, this is why you guys need me there i could have got us like so much i could have got a paycheck first of all i i assume that you came up on some money real quick and you ditched you know you no no I, th I thought it was 10 o'clock so i you know just was doing my thing for the whole day you know just chilling on the in, in the couch so you came you you didn't even text. You didn't do anything. What, hey, it's a on? shady job. I thought it was going to be. Why would they do? I thought it was going to be at 10 o'clock. You know, at night. Shady job, shady interview. Well, you it's know? good that you're here. Um, I'm actually headed back to the school. Uh, I, I forgot something in the library. Sweet. Yeah, I'll walk, I'll walk you over there. Yeah. And then we're going to have to call, talk to both because... Kohu? We got it. We'll talk about it later. Let's let's go to the library. <laughs> okay. Are you sure they're open at this time of night? It's kind of late. Um. Yeah. It, it should be fine. Um. Oh. I just want to say I love that we just set the or you just set the precedent that if Red was there when they were about to leave for the interview, he would have probably been like, "No, it's at ten o'clock. I wrote it down <laughs> wrong. I'm so sorry." <laughs> and this would have been a very different adventure. Oh god. <laughs> Ooh, do yeah. not trust my handwriting. So 
um, with that, <laughs> better than real life and in this game. <laughs> so with that, the two of you make your way through the Undercity. Um, it's not super populated, um, at least at this time of night. Um, this is kind of a working district of the city. Um, you pass by one or two bars that are sparsely populated with individuals. Um, but as someone who lives in New Bismuth, you know that a lot of people who live in the Undercity work down here and then make their way topside if they like to spend leisure time. Okay. Now, you wind your way through the Undercity districts and make your way back to the elevated lift that will take you up to the, the, um, the upper levels of New Bismuth, the ground level, so to speak. You step onto the lift and you see a, a small gnomish gentleman wearing an Empora uniform who nods at you politely and pulls the lever for the lift and you and a handful of other individuals silently make your way up the lift as you can hear the, the mechanical clunking and grinding of gears and metal as you're slowly elevated easily a hundred feet up um, to the surface of New Bismuth itself. Um, you emerge in the Patchwork District, which this this district of the city is well known to be a hotspot for businesses and production houses, places of commerce. Um, you find yourself on the streets and quickly weave your way through this district as well, following the train lines. Now, I have a question for both of you. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would take a train to speed things up or would you walk all the way to the school? Um, walking to the school is probably about like 40 minutes. I mean, I got nothing else to do for the rest of the day and I'm also cheap. I don't know <laughs> about you, but there's a reason I try to get this job. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm totally down with walking. Uh, actually, the time, time is of the essence right now, so the train would probably be best. Oh, so you're going to spot me? Right, I got you. Okay, cool, cool. Um, so the two of you make your way um, towards the elevated rails. Um, they kind of weave through the border, the border lines of each bit, each dist uh, district of this kind of octagonal city, perched atop this hill. You stay, you scale this stone staircase that zigzags its way up the city wall, um, and you find yourself at a small, quaint, and quiet rail station, um, perched atop one of the district walls. In the distance, uh, you can hear the intense buzz of electricity as you look down the rail track and you see one of these lightning trains, um, which you, as living in the city, have become familiar with. But it's slowly, or quickly, shall I say, making its way down the track towards you. As it approaches closer and closer, the smell, or the air begins to smell um, like burnt ozone. Like you can smell the, the energy in the air that's kind of being radiated by this train as it arrives. And as it pulls up, you see the front of it looks like a massive sled made of polished steel and iron. Um, the front of it comes into a slope and then there's a big um, circular turbine that's humming with energy right in the front of the train. Inside the window as it passes, you can see um, a conductor um, sitting at a seat surrounded by different levers and things like that. And you see them pull one down and the train quickly comes to a stop. Inside, you can see a handful of individuals um, through the windows of this train car and the two or three cars that are linked behind it. As you would know, or some of you um, the train fare is two silver for one kind of round trip per person. Okay. As the train stops, the double doors open um, and another, another member of the tra um, transportation sector of the city steps out. They are human. They have a a big black curly bustling mustache and a plump figure. Um, you see their blue kind of, not quite suit, but it's not quite casual clothes either. Um, they look finely presented, but um, they stand there and begin taking fares the end um, from the individuals who pass. You hand off your fare, and this individual or this man goes, <laughs> "Welcome to the Nobismith Rail Line, folks. Hope you have a safe ride." and motions for you to step onto the train. I stare at Sim. Like, you, like you're gonna, you gonna pay him? <laughs> I give him two more. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the man nods, um, and the, the two of you are the last to step on the rail. Um, have you, here's a question. Have either of you ever ridden, rode the lightning rails before? Um, we've been living here for a while. I probably splurged once or twice, but as you can see, I never skipped leg day. 
Uh, I probably haven't because I spend most of my time at the school. Okay. Really leave. So you both sit down. Red, you feel the familiar, uncomfortable feeling in your stomach as the, the train takes off and starts speeding down the tracks along the border wall of the city. Um, you feel your, it feels like your stomach is being pulled a little bit behind you just because the momentum this thing carries with it is very fast, faster than any wagon you've ever been on in your life. And the train smoothly glides down these tracks. And Arsemazira, for the first time, you see the city um, from a perspective you, you haven't seen, from, seen it before. Um, along the border walls, um, in between each kind of octagonal sector of this city, you can see hundreds and hundreds maybe even thousands of motes of orange and blue and vibrant light coming from the city around you. It's almost like you're, you're riding a smooth line across the sea of fireflies. Um, and then you feel sick. Can I have a constitution save? Oh God, no. A constitution save? Mm-hmm. Oh God, this is not the train that I want to take. I tell you that. Uh, 15. 15. Um, you feel this uncomfortable feeling in your stomach as looking off and seeing everything whiz by so quickly. And then you feel your gut. It feels like it's from the momentum of the train. You can. It feels like your gut is being pulled behind you. Um, but you kind of like steal yourself um, and look out, look back into the train car. And like suddenly you realize you were starting to feel dizzy just because you've never experienced this before. Um, and then you level out. And the two of you ride along the district walls of the city. You pass by the South Borough, which is full of these large, stacked residential homes and very tight, winding streets. As you pass by um, and weave through this district of the city, you can hear crowds of people and music chiming through and like echoing up towards the car as you pass. You can see that on top of many roofs and homes of this district, you can see plumes of smoke curling up into the sky from chimneys and fireplaces. Um, And then you pass the border wall into the Jubilance district. Now, as you approach the wall, you can see the bright light of this district before you. And when the train breaches that section of the wall, you find yourself on a rail that's elevated above the rest of the district below you. And what you see is a sea of vibrant color All the buildings here are draped in fabrics of dozens of different hues. Orange, purple, green, violet, maroon. It's a tapestry of like colorful chaos as you look upon this district of the city. Um, For a while, you all lived in a townhome here and called this home, so it's a comforting sight. But Sam, again, it's kind of, you've never seen it from this angle before because you've never been on one of these trains. The train makes one, two, three stops. You see it stop what looks to be a block or two away from the tavern that you have frequented called the portal. The portal. Yep. It's where you all met Volo and gained your home a few years ago when you all started school. You pass by a, a couple other stops and kind of institutions of the city and you make your way towards the Academy of the Mists. Now the towers of this particular establishment are very familiar to you. Um, As you approach, um, slowly growing larger and larger, you can see these large towers, kind of cylindrical buildings of azure blue. Um, Some of them are lit with a blue light that kind of makes them shine like a beacon at night in the city. As As you approach, you can see the interior of your train car and everything else around you be kind of draped in this blue light. And you see this series of towers all arranged in a crescent circle as your train approaches the center of it. Among them, there's the largest tower in the center, which is, you know, which you know where all the houses are, all of the classes are held. And then surrounding this, each is a tower that represents a different school of magic of this city. Sem, uh, you would know in particular that your particular brand of magic doesn't have a tower here because it's relatively new. You see the tower of evocation which is sculpted and molded to look like a roaring flame. Um, You see the Tower of Transmutation, which is this kind of large tower that looks like, almost like a quilt of different squares of material. Like someone has made this building into like a beautiful patchwork of what could be. Um, Among them, you see all the other towers, one that dazzles with light 
and feels like it moves when you look at it. Um, you see another that is kind of radiant with a glowing light um, that when you look at it, you kind of feel a little warmer and happier inside. Um, and then the train kind of pulls off to the left and winds down to the academy station. Um, both of you are waved off the train by the attendant and you step down onto the cold, hard cobble, um, carved cobblestone um, floor of the station, which is a ground level with the rest of the university. Ahead of you is a long, very long, well-kept um, university grounds with a large fountain in the center, kind of at the epicenter of all these buildings. What would you two like to do? At this time, it's probably about, it took you 15 minutes to make it to the top and then another 10. Um, you know you have about two and a half hours until the ship leaves. At this time of night, there's not many people around. Um, you do see a handful of drunken students pass by 30, 40 yards from where you currently stand. Um, oh. What would you like to do? Uh, Sim, I don't really... <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. I was only here for like two semesters, and uh, I don't know where the the library is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do you not know? It's fine. <laughs> let's, let's two semesters, it. I didn't care. But like, who, who spent time in that library? Like... Um, I feel like you know at least one person who did me. I'm nerd. Sorry. Allergies. Way. Let's go. Yeah. 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 Oh. Also, uh, if we're going on this mission, do you need to get your stuff? Do you have everything you have, like, need with you? Well, me? Yeah. You. Well, I mean, what, what, what do I need? Um. Well, we're, what are we doing? We're we're, we're leaving. What do you mean we're leaving? Oh, like so, leaving, leaving. Yes, yes. That that job on the boat, it, it took, bro. We got it. Um, oh, we're leaving tonight. Yeah, yeah. I literally just came back to grab something that I need. Because uh, uh, I definitely, you know, you know me. I want to study while we're going to be on the boat. There, I'm going to have time. Um, and there's a book in the library that I need. So, ah. Okay, okay, yeah, well, let me, let me check. Um, Red starts, like, patting himself down. It's like, okay, dagger, keys, wallet. I think, I think I'm good. Yeah, I think that's it. Okay, child and light. I, I, yeah. I get it. It's your style. I mean, like, wait, how long is this gonna, like, what? I don't know what the job is. I only need to stab, stab people, right? Um, I'm assuming so, yeah. I actually don't have that much stuff. I, I took my books I mean, with me. <laughs> okay, like I don't need to bring my posters or anything, do I? Cause like, um, I don't think so. I mean, we do have quarters on there, so you can if you want to. But um, I mean, okay, when are we leaving tonight? And like, yes. the and sunrise like, or something? No, 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 no. At like midnight. Oh. Yes. Okay. Kinda, if you need to get something back from the place. I don't think we have time for me to go back to the place, so I'll just take whatever I need from campus. Yeah, that works too. In this moment, as as Red is considering what he needs, our camera lifts up and zooms and flies across the city to the small townhome that you were renting from Volo. Inside, we see Red's room. Please tell me what posters you have. Oh, um, they're just like random posters from people that have, uh, like propaganda from people that are... Um, tried the plunge and like almost succeeded oh he's a plunge fanboy yeah i'm a huge plunge fanboy you know that was that was a dream one day like underdogs or like winners um he prefers the underdogs because you know that's who he bets on like the no-named people that constantly try and try and try because when they do succeed he will be rich all right hold up i gotta pull up a very important document it <laughs> has a list of all the plunge contenders <laughs> Oh, uh, he he would have bet on um on uh the no names. Mm -hmm. He 100% would have bet on them. Oh, okay, yeah, the untitled. Shit, the untitled. They, they won, but they didn't win. He doesn't. I mean, is that his like theory? <laughs> no, no. I mean, he thinks they're all dead. They didn't come out. Um. So for the 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 listeners, the plunge is something that happens every couple months. New Bismuth is a city built atop a maze of stone and earth and and some places obsidian and 
every few months, this massive eco tunnel ecosystem beneath the city changes and shifts on its own, almost as if it's alive. No one knows exactly why, but the city has kind of made a sporting event out of it. Um, the portal, which is a tavern that I have kind of shamelessly ripped from the D&D canon, um, sits on top of a tunnel to enter this massive tunnel ecosystem. And way down deep inside, um, every few months, a bunch of adventurers register with the Venture Association, which is kind of like the heroic guild of New Bismuth. And they all dive down into this tunnel in search for a, a treasure that the adventure, the Venture Association has placed somewhere within. It's an almost anything goes rat race to get to the end. And recently they have suspended this particular event because during the last plunge, there was a massive earthquake that ruined some portion of the Undercity. And a lot of the adventurers that went down in the plunge in this particular event didn't come back. Um, so in Red's room, we would see a poster of one group that has tried many times, but usually doesn't get far. They're an all barred adventuring group called Dream Street. Yes. Um, they look exactly like the cheesy boy band you would expect. There's like the, the moody broody one who's a warlock. There is the big muscular <laughs> one who is like a drummer. Um, there are two bards that are like glamour. Um, they have on this beautiful makeup and their hair is done up in these crazy styles and they're very, very, they try very hard to look as fancy and glamorous as they possibly can. There's another poster of a small group called Shattershield with a gnome stint, uh, sitting on the shoulders of this giant clockwork machination um, that they have made. Um, and if you look inside, you can see there are little windows put in each side and each arm of this creature. And from inside, you can see the smiling faces of two more gnomes as they, this team would traditionally ride this, this battle mac together down into the plunge itself. Um, and a bunch of other posters of just all these kind of odd, no-name adventuring groups. Um, he would have the Bard's uh, album, by the oh, way. Yeah. He would next, definitely have their album. Next to it, we see kind of a record player with a big record um, ad, like, sitting in the middle of it, colored with, um, like, a purple backdrop, and all these kinds of stars and glitter is um, Dream Street. What's the album called? Ooh. Portal to Your Heart. Ah! <laughs> Yes, that's exactly what it's called. I love this. <laughs> oh. So we hear that cheesy boy band music playing as our um, camera pulls away and lands back to Red going. Nah, I think I'm good. And the two of you make your way into the university. Now, you know, the largest central building is where the library is. Um, <laughs> you navigate it fairly easily because, you know, you both of you were students here uh, for a time. And you make your way into the building, um, winding through what are now the kind of empty corridors and classrooms. Um, because this building is mostly academic. It's not really used at night. You pass by one classroom that is a little lit um, with some arcane lamps outside. And as you pass by, you can hear the voice of a woman giving a lecture about transmutation magic. It's some kind of night school class. And you make your way to the library. Hey there, pirates. And uh, thanks for sticking around. It seems to me like we got a brand new crew member, Red, the giant imposing rogue minotaur. And guess what? Another wizard. I'm really excited to see where this goes. And Scruff is a pleasure to have as a player. Our theme song titled A New Hero in Town was created by Kevin McLeod. We use his work a lot throughout our production. So check out Incomputech Music for more. Our ambient tracks for this episode were created by Sword Coast Soundscape, which you'll find linked in our episode description. They also have a YouTube channel and a band camp. You should really check them out. I'll keep this one short and sweet. We'll be dropping episodes for the show during the off weeks of the main feed. So you get double the Asperon in the same amount of time. We lost a teeny bit of audio between recordings, but if you really wanted to know how Riley got that arrow out of his leg... Keep listening. It's mostly just them goofing off, I promise. Stay healthy and see you soon.
So what was that trinket again? <laughs> Fucking wait, where'd it go? A child's severed finger, still fresh and periodically twitching. <sighs> I don't know what I hate Dude, more, the perfect. twitching or the fresh part. No, it's definitely the, the twitching, fresh part. I love the fucking twitching part. It's awful. Th that just kind of, I, I want it. Like it I sounds could, so weird. I could imagine it being like a like, you know, old bone. Like that's a magic thing that could work. But fresh. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it never heals like, and it's constantly it dripping dripping? blood. I think it's constantly yeah. dripping blood. So it's just an endless source of blood. I think so. Just, mm, you just gained the system. Yeah. Now you have infinite yeah. blood magic. Now I don't know whose it is. Anything. I don't even know if it's humans. I don't know what type of creature it is. It just says child. <laughs> it could be child of anything. True. Oh, God. Child of a god. Yeah, somewhere there is a god that is a child who's very angry that someone is occasionally poking their finger with a needle. <laughs> they can feel it, but they have no idea where the finger is. <laughs> Oh my god. They're on a hunt for their finger and I'm just like sitting around with a fucking I don't know what I do with the fucking twitching finger. It's just not on it. God damn it. It's just nibble it. Meanwhile, red's in the street, you hear thunder. <laughs> now you think every time you poke this finger it makes thunder. Am I a god now? <laughs> <Poke>. <laughs> oh jeez. Wait. <laughs> 